think we all know about the contradictions or conflicts in, inside of ourselves. We wonder why in these circumstances, for me, for example, why am I so cautious in this area of my life, but then very much more daring in this other part of my life? And how do I, can I reconcile those things? And so when I really started studying my chart, I began understanding, oh, okay, I will step back and just say, it's not that I believe that the planets cause things. I just, it's more that they reflect, reflect the reality that we feel, right? And so when you look at a chart, it's really just reflecting your personality, your soul. And I, I really found it so helpful in understanding myself in that way, understanding those nuances. Welcome to another episode of the Made of Dreams podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Riley. I'm a singer-songwriter who loves the creative process and talking about it with people who inspire me in the hopes of inspiring you to add a little creativity to your life and maybe find some new music to listen to along the way. I've got a fun topic for the show today, one that has always intrigued me, astrology, and more specifically, birth charts, where you look at the placement of the sun and moon and all the planets at the time of your birth. So if you've ever thought, how can everyone born on this day fit into the stereotype of whatever zodiac sign? Well, this is where it gets interesting. My dad and I actually have the same birthday, obviously years apart, and so out of curiosity, I looked up both of our charts and they look wildly different because we're all our own unique selves. It's really interesting to me, and I do have to believe that, you know, just how the full moon can magnify things and people are always blaming things on the full moon, I do think that it has to affect us somewhat. But before we dive in, I have a funny story for you. So picture a young me, around 19 or so, walking through the parking lot of Walmart. I'm on the phone with my mom, and I just happen to look up, and in the sky I see the biggest brightest orange like ball that I've ever seen and I'm like what in the heck I've never seen anything like this what is it and I'm telling my mom and I'm like can you do you see this in the sky wherever you are and she's like no I I don't know what it is why don't you ask somebody and so I see this nice looking woman walking through the parking lot and I say excuse me (laughs) ma'am she's like yes and I I point to the big, beautiful, glowing orange ball in the sky that's like sitting on top of Walmart. That's how close it looks. I'm like, what is that? And she looks, and she looks back at me with a bewildered look on her face and says, honey, that's the moon. And I feel like she probably went home and told that story to her family. And they all got a good laugh at my expense, and I don't even have a good excuse. It must have been some kind of a harvest moon, and they let me out of my (laughs) room that day. I don't know. I was always working when it was sunset time, so honestly, like, I probably hadn't really seen, like, a big old harvest moon like that. You know, the one where, like, it literally is the biggest thing in the sky. It doesn't look like that every day, so that was new for me, and um, it's also hilarious, and honey, that's the moon. Let's talk about it. Here we go. Today, I am talking to Marla Sang, who grew up in San Antonio, Texas, as the child of Chinese Peruvian immigrants. She was always drawn to reading about myths, fairy tales, and fantasy adventures, and enjoyed writing short stories. As a teenager, she became fascinated by astrology, which I am as well. 
and she has been an attorney for 13 years and in her spare time continues to study astrology and give readings. So welcome, Marla. Hi, Ashley. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. So after looking over a little bit about your background, I was curious about, you know, when I think of an astrologer, I think like mystical and and when I think of a lawyer, I kind of think more serious. Do you feel like there's a balance to both sides of who you are with that, that complement each other? I just thought that was interesting. Yes, it is. It is something an interesting and unexpected dynamic. <laughs> it can be challenging because I really do love astrology and other metaphysical topics, and I'm very drawn to that. But then I, I do have to be very practical, very analytical as an attorney, and, and I've been trained that way. The interesting thing is, though, that astrology has turned out to be a practice that requires as much analysis, really, as as being a lawyer. It sounds strange, but when you start really studying it, there's just as many rules and nuances to it as as the law. And so I feel in a way that all of my training as an attorney has also helped me in my training as an astrologer. But my first love is astrology. And so sometimes I do find myself doing my day job and really wishing that I were doing the astrology instead. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense when you put it that way, because as someone who has really been drawn to astrology myself, I really don't feel like I've scratched the surface beyond kind of the typical zodiac stereotypes. There's a lot of there's a lot of things there, the houses, the planets, the, you know, all the things that makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like you're able to have a conversation with someone and guess their sign from that? Sometimes I wonder, I mean, I, I it actually happens more when I'm listening to interviews or reading an article about somebody, especially with celebrities, they'll say certain things that resonate with a certain sign or a certain planet. And so I, I will think, I wonder if this person has this kind of configuration in their chart or if they're, they have a strong you know, Mars or a strong let's say, uh, Gemini. And so I, I do end up going and looking at people's charts after. This is why it's really helpful when it's a celebrity, because usually you can find their chart. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Whereas, you know, with people in your own life, sometimes I don't come out and tell everybody that I'm an astrologer. And so I don't ask them for their birth data. Mm-hmm. Uh, I It does happen, you know, that you will hear something and then think, hmm, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if yeah. this person has this. And a lot of times they do. It's really interesting. And one of the ways that I feel astrology is really validated when I after a while, you can sort of pick up on these things. And, and a lot of the times it turns out to be in that person's chart. Yeah, that's really cool. So you became really drawn to astrology as a teenager. Is that something that was encouraged? Or did you share that with your family or just go inward on that journey by yourself? I've always loved reading. And I think I must have found astrology when I was at the bookstore, I probably started looking at some some astrology books, because I didn't really follow horoscopes as much you know Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that's how they start in astrology and so I was always very interested but my parents were not they're very very practical people they didn't talk to me about astrology and I didn't have any friends who were into it it was just something that I enjoyed on my own and I bought lots of books but I didn't really start studying it until a few years ago Okay. Very cool. I'm just always curious about that. It's funny that you say you didn't start with horoscopes because I am pretty typical. I was like, oh, let me read my horoscope. That was anytime I would get a new magazine, I would flip to the back and want to know, you know, what my horoscope for the month was going to be. So 
you had said you feel like it's a good tool for self-discovery, validation, and evolution. How do you feel like it has helped you in that way? Well, I think we all know about the contradictions or conflicts in, inside of ourselves. We wonder why in these circumstances, for me, for example, why am I so cautious in this area of my life, but then very much more daring in this other part of my life? And how do I, can I reconcile those things? And so when I really started studying my chart, I began understanding, oh, okay, I will step back and just say, it's not that I believe that the planets cause things. I just, it's more that they reflect, reflect the reality that we feel, right? And so when you look at a chart, it's really just reflecting your personality, your soul. And I I really found it so helpful in understanding myself in that way, understanding those nuances that you're not just your sun sign. You know, when you're born, that these planets are in a configuration that will not occur again for 26,000 years. You're very unique. And it also it depends on where you're born. I mean, there's so much that makes it very unique to you. So you're not just your sun sign because a lot of people don't resonate with their sun sign, right? And, so, yeah. and or they think, well, maybe this does fit me, but how can it fit all of the other Tauruses out there? You know, mm-hmm. thousands or millions. And the reality is once you start looking at somebody's chart, it's, it's very complicated. There are many layers and there are many different types of astrology, many different ways to view the chart. And that is what makes it so fascinating. Totally. I really, I like a lot of things that you said there. One thing I really want to highlight is you said that it is a reflection. Your chart can reflect back to you. And I I really like that because I think it does put it into terms where maybe people who aren't interested in astrology think, well, like you said, how can this fit all of the Tauruses? But really there's so much more in your chart And it's not telling you what's going to happen in your life or predicting it. It's just showing yourself back to you, which brings to mind when, you know, when you maybe don't like someone or when you do like someone, it it actually kind of says more about you than it does about them. And so when you start to learn that, that's really interesting. And I just wanted to highlight that. So with that in mind... Maybe you can tell us a bit, some birth chart basics. So people would need like their birth date and time of birth, place they were born. That's right. The the hardest piece is the time of birth. A lot of people don't have that or they're not sure, or it's not always on everyone's. uh, Usually here in the U.S. it's on the birth certificate, but in other countries, I understand sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. And the birth time is really important because that helps set up your chart in the sense that then you know which sign was rising on the eastern horizon when you were born and that it begins your chart. If you imagine the chart to be like a clock, then where the number nine is, that's where your ascendant starts. And then there are 12 houses, so 12 areas of life. So let's take, for example, the first house is generally associated with, so there are 12 signs and 12 houses. And in some kinds of astrology, there's you know, people will basically associate the first house with Aries, the first sign of the zodiac. But there are other kinds of astrology where they believe the houses are really separate, should not be associated in that way with the signs. I do think there's a lot of correlation. And so I tend to associate them, but not all astrologers do. And but basically, yes, in the in the, what we call the natural zodiac, Aries begins the natural zodiac. And you keep going around the circle, you know, um, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo. Libra, Scorpio, uh, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. Pisces is the last sign. And then you also have 12 houses. And then you have these 10 planets. I mean, some people use more than just the 
the 10 planets, they use asteroids as well, right? You can, you can end up with a lot of things in your chart that way. Uh, but the most astrologers, well, I shouldn't say most, some, some don't even go beyond Saturn. I guess I'll just go through, through the, the main planets, but the sun, which we all usually know what our sun sign is, you know, that's represents your life force, your vitality, your, your conscious will, and sort of what you're conscious of in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's a luminary. It's technically not a planet, but we call it a planet in astrology. And then you have the moon, which represents your emotions, your security, a lot of times your experience of your mother. It could be another caregiver, but a lot of times, and just the way the sun is a lot of times associated with your experience of your father. It doesn't necessarily have to be that, but it can be sometimes. Okay. And then, yeah, it's very interesting. You don't, yeah. I didn't realize that when you look at a chart, you can actually see the people in your life in your chart. It's really interesting. Yeah. So you have the sun, moon, and then Mercury is your intellect, the way that you communicate, the way you perceive the world. And then you have Venus, which is how we love and what we're attracted to and we attract to us. It has to do with relationships and with money. And then you have Mars, which is our ambition, you know, our energy, our get up and go. It can also be the way we assert ourselves or express our anger. Oh, so everything has like a light side and a, a shadow side, right? Mm-hmm. And then and they're all archetypes. And then you have after Mars, Jupiter, which represents abundance and luck, but it can also be excess or waste sort of in the shadow side, right? Okay. And then you have Saturn, which represents limitations, discipline, structure, form. And it used to be the planet that was the last visible planet that people could see. And so that's why they considered it to to represent the limitation of reality, right? And so a lot of people consider it to be, it's called like the Lord of Karma. And it's it's where we feel, where it is in our charts, where we feel some doubt or fear, right? And these are some of the obstacles that we have to move through in our life. So it's, some people don't like it that much, but it's really necessary if you think about it. I mean, it, it's, you need stability and foundation and form for your life, right? Yes. And that's part of growing up. And so then you have Uranus, which represents freedom, revolution, liberation, brilliance, right? And then Neptune, which is imagination, spirituality, creativity, it's kind of no boundaries, the opposite of Saturn with limitations. With Neptune, there, there are no boundaries. It's uh, emerging of everything. This is why it's associated with spirituality, with all of us being one, merging together, right? Okay. And the last one is Pluto, which is about transformation and power and healing as well. And so those are all somewhere in your chart. And they are not going to be exactly the same as they are for somebody else in their chart. And so when you start mixing all that together, then you start getting his unique self, right? Okay, yeah. That's and then right. the relationship between those planets with each other is a whole other, <laughs> those are the aspects <laughs> that also tells you, okay, are these two planets, these two parts of yourself, your psyche, are they in a in a and flowing conversation? Do they get along well? Or are they in a more challenging conversation? Mm-hmm. In which case, you know, that's, it's it's difficult, but it's also probably going to motivate you to to get certain things done or to deal with those parts of yourself. So that's yeah. yeah. And once you start, it sounds like a lot, but like you said, everyone has those aspects in their chart. And when you find, you start to find out like where your Mars, is that the one with the limitations? Uh, Saturn. 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 I yeah. almost said Saturn, but I was like, no, Mars was anger. 
Okay. Like when you start to find out where some of that stuff is, then you can maybe understand that about yourself. And, and then do you personally, do you use that, like, look at the placement of the daily energy and kind of see how that affects you or do you know what horoscopes are really? Yes. And I mean, it depends. So sometimes there are horoscopes that are on a daily basis or a monthly basis or an annual basis. And, and so I, I tend to not pay attention as much so for example the moon the moon is always changing signs like every two and a half days and and wherever the moon is there's this sort of this emotional energy you know people say that or astrologers say when the moon is in a certain sign that then there's certain activities that are good for you to do when the moon is in that sign and not so much when it's in a in another sign so if you want to go shopping for example then Mm -hmm. when the moon is in libra libra rules over beauty and art and harmony then that's possibly a really good time to go shopping you're probably going to find things that fit you and and that you like and enjoy right whereas if the moon is in Virgo then that's really a time to be dealing with the nitty-gritty details um, getting chores done you know so there are people who follow all of those sorts of and it's not just the moon then all the other planets as well right Mm -hmm. Um, and I do read them but I tend to focus more on the influences that last longer so more so the farther away that a planet is from the sun the longer it takes for it to go around the sun and the more influence it has on our lives because it can sometimes take some some of these planets are are generational planets right that mm-hmm. that will be in one sign you know so uranus for example is in a sign for 7 years neptune for 14 years um pluto i think is that one i, I it can be longer right? it kind of varies and so it's those are the ones that when they are somehow interacting with your, the planets where they were in your natal chart when you were born, there's, those are the influences that are really going to impact your life. Wow. Okay. That could really change your life. That's really, really cool. So how do you feel about when people say like, oh, Mars is in retrograde again? <laughs> is that, or is that just like funny? People are just blaming it on no, I mean, it's so we are actually currently in Mars retrograde. And, and that one is the one that more people talk about is Mercury retrograde. Mercury it happens, retrograde. Right. It happens about three times per year for like okay. three weeks or so. And I, I personally have never had a huge issue with it, but I do know other people. Mercury rules over, like I was saying before, the mind, intellect, but it can also it also rules over transportation. So a lot of people have travel issues when their Mercury's in retrograde because things aren't going that smoothly, there could be delays, unexpected things that come up, or technology as well. Mercury also can rule over. So people might have issues with their computer and mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things. I feel like I did. I feel like I had a lot of issues and Mercury was in retrograde with just like random charges on my credit card or things not being delivered that I ordered. And I never Mm. had experienced that before, but I probably never paid attention really before. Yeah. Yeah. Mercury rules over commerce. And so that makes sense. And and so what, when, when the, so when the planet is in retrograde from our perspective on earth, it looks like it's going backwards. It's really not, but symbolically we take that to mean that the energy of the planet is in some way not moving forward it's moving backwards so it's actually a really good time if you want to use it in a positive productive way it's a great time to revise and review things that you've written or something you've been working on it's a really good time for for doing that awesome I like that tip so right now we are in in Mars retrograde which is a longer that's going to be going on for about six seven months 
And Mars, like I said before, it it rules over our, our motivation, our get up and go, our ambition, our energy. And so when it's going retrograde, we might not feel as motivated in some way, or you know, we might have issues with asserting ourselves. And so it's yeah, it's a different I've I've been experiencing that. So <laughs> especially when depending on which planets in your own chart have a lot of impact on you when something is going on with that planet then it's something that you might experience much more than the person who's next to you who doesn't have okay. that where that influence is not as prominent in their chart okay cool well so with that in mind i had given you my birth chart details and looking at mine maybe you can also highlight some of the important things that are good for people when they look at their own like the basic things that you might notice yes absolutely okay so I think it's really helpful to, when you first look at a chart, to look at the big picture, right? Because then it's very easy to get into all the details. But looking at the big picture, a lot of times where your eye is drawn, you know, that's that's important. And so have you seen your chart? Yes, I have. I don't know have. what it looks like, but. Well, it's, there are a lot of planets that are on the left-hand side of your chart. And so what that means is, and you know, we'll talk about this because then there are other things that give more nuance to that. But a lot of times when we have a chart where there are many planets on the left-hand side of the chart, it means that person has a lot of initiative and they're able to make things happen and have, I want to say self-focused, not in a bad way. It's like you're getting things done, right? Whereas mm -hmm. when the majority fall on the right-hand side, it's more people who are reacting to others around them. And it can be um, sometimes collaborative, but sometimes it's it's like you're, you're being very influenced by other people. And so in your case, I do think that you have a lot of initiative and that you make things happen. But then the interesting thing is that you also have a lot of planets in the sign of, of cancer, which cancer is a water sign. So there are these four elements. We have fire, air, earth, and water. Mm -hmm. And water is very sensitive and intuitive, very caring, very protective and nurturing of others, very tenacious. Okay. <laughs> but sometimes in an indirect way, like not necessarily in your face, but, you know, do able to still get what you want, but in a more indirect manner. And so even though like I said, all these planets on the left-hand side seem to indicate a lot of you're being able to initiate and do the things that you want. There's a part of you that's also very, very attuned to other people. And especially, I would imagine like family because cancer is very family oriented, very much about home and, and family. And I see that also your, so just stepping back. Yeah, there's certain themes. That's one of the things I see in your chart where there's this push and pull between, I think, what you want, but also your concern for others and mm -hmm. what they may think. And so I was, I was wondering if that resonates with you. Yeah, that does resonate. And that was I, one of the questions I had asked you, and I don't know, maybe this doesn't relate, but it kind of makes sense to me. So, so bear with me, I guess, is that I feel like, so my birth date is the last day that a lot of people say is the sign of cancer, then the next day would yeah. be the Leo. And yeah. I feel like when I've looked at my chart, 
there's a lot of contradiction back and forth. And there are sometimes yes. I'm like, I don't know, should I be a Leo or should I be like, I'm like, I don't know if I resonate with it, but I'm always so intrigued. And that's where like the little nuances, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Or, oh, wait, maybe I am emotional. You know, I did find that interesting. Yeah. Let me speak to that. So yes, your son is at the 29th degree of cancer. And so each zodiac sign is 30 degrees. It's from, it goes from zero to 29. So 29 is really the 30th degree, but it, after 29, it goes back to zero, right? And so you have your son at the 29th degree of cancer. The 29th degree is a critical degree in astrology. It's called the anoretic degree. And it's, it means that that planet, so in this case, your sun, your life force, your vitality, your ego. And when I say ego, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just it's just our conscious self, right? Mm-hmm. That That is saturated in these traits of cancer that I was just talking about. And you also have other planets in cancer, so Mercury and Mars. So I do think there's something about having to really, really understand and deal with being a cancer, you know, with home and family, emotional security, all of that. But the interesting thing is that then your son is right next to what we call the North Node, which is a part of us that your soul is supposed to be moving towards in this lifetime. And yours is in Leo. It's at one degree of Leo. And Leo is the next sign, of course, after cancer. And it's a very different energy. You know, it's, it's a fire sign. It's about creativity, self-expression. It's ruled by the sun naturally. And it's very, whereas cancer is ruled by the moon, right? So oh, the moon, wow. the emotion. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so you have it like all coming together. It's kind of interesting. So there is there is this, it's like you are having to deal with, with being a cancer, with cancer issues. But at the same time, your soul is meant to be moving towards this fiery part of yourself, this very creative part. And sort of like your inner child, Leo is also about our inner child. And so I'm wondering if that resonates with you. I think so. Yeah, I think it does. Because I'm also, I do a lot of creative work as a singer songwriter and a writer and a performer, but it has kind of been something that I, it's interesting because I've always wanted to do that but I only started doing it in my twenties, which I guess is kind of later. And I feel like the older I get, the more I do, I don't know, or the more I like accept that or share it or whatever that, that means maybe. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's so funny that you mentioned that because you have your Venus in Leo in the 12th house. So Venus is again, love and harmony and art, and it's also creative and it's relationships and money it's all of that. And in the sign of Leo, which again, your North node is in Leo. So it makes sense that you'd be interested or drawn to creativity, to doing something creative, but it's in the 12th house. And the 12th house is the last house of the Zodiac. It's, it's associated with Pisces, with Neptune, it's watery, with spirituality, with also creativity. But sometimes we have gifts there that maybe it takes us longer to bring them out or we hide them in some way because the 12th house is, is sometimes it's a more private house and people who have planets there really need time to recharge and you really need some solitude. Do you, do you need that? Sometimes. Yeah. I feel like I'm, what is the, maybe, I don't know if it's introverted, extrovert or extroverted introvert. One of the two where it's like, I love being around people and I do get energy from people, but sometimes I just want to be alone for sure. 
Yeah. And that's so funny because that's actually, so Leo is an extroverted sign and Leo really needs validation from others. It needs, it needs to feel seen by others. It needs to be acknowledged. But then in the 12th house, the 12th house, like I said, is, is a very private, it's this part where sometimes we really do need time alone to recharge. And it's also where we have our, our spirituality in the sense of wanting to be part of something greater than ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's very interesting to have both the Leo energy and Venus, you know, your creativity, but also in this house that's more private. Right. That's not one of the <laughs> houses in the zodiac yeah. where it's very visible. But you do have what's interesting is so if we were to look at your at, at the part of the a chart which is very visible for you, which is your that's the 10th house and that's okay. the top, the very top of the chart. So when you were born, you had Mercury and Mars in the 10th house. And this is so literally you're imagine that you're in the hospital and then right above your head, you know, at like that's those are the planets that were highest in the sky and so mercury is actually i don't know if you know this but you're a virgo rising and that's the sign that was rising when you were born and virgo is ruled by mercury and mercury is again about the intellect and communication and virgo by itself is just a, it's a very practical grounded sign very analytical discerning mm-hmm. and but it's, it's ruled by mercury and you have mercury in your 10th house which is the most visible part, which is what everybody else sees. And so I would imagine that communication is really important to you. Talking to people, you know, you might write as well. Mm -hmm. And Mercury is also really good with the hands. So doing things with your hands, that as well. And then with Mars there, it's, I would say you expend a lot of energy with regard to your career or your calling. Those aren't always necessarily same things, right? Um, or your, in some way, your public status or reputation, the way that other people see you. But these two planets, Mercury and Mars, are in the sign of Cancer. And so you do it in a way that is sensitive to others, nurturing. And I think there has to be something emotional in it for you because Cancer is, is mm-hmm. it has to do with the emotions. But at the same time, your midheaven, the sign that's there is Gemini, which is a very different energy from Cancer. And Gemini is very adaptable, can do many things at one time, can get bored easily because they're very <laughs> curious. Gemini is yeah. super curious, wants to know about everything and take in a lot of information and, but can get, can get bored, can move on. They're like, yeah, this is not interesting anymore. So it's interesting to have like these two different types of energy <laughs> in the most <laughs> public part of your chart. And so I'm, I'm wondering, how that manifests for you. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm like laughing as you're saying this because I'm like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense with how I am about like, I am so curious about everything. And I feel like I've always joked that I'm like, what is it? Uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. That's very much a Gemini. Um, Yeah, yeah, very Gemini. Or I don't know. I used to joke that like, wouldn't it be so cool if there was a newspaper called The Gist where you just got the cliff notes of whatever? And I think yes. there actually is one now called The Skim. I'm just like, I want to know, but I don't need to know everything, just enough. Yes. But I'm also, yeah, I feel like everything I do is with my hands. I'm a hairstylist as well. So I talk to people all day and that's an emotional, you connect emotionally with people there. And yeah, it's kind of a service-based 
it is a service-based industry. So you're caring for other people and making them feel good. And yeah, that's so funny. And then your moon, that's, so I would say the ascendant, the sun and the moon, and then the ruler of your chart. So the ruler of the planet that rules your ascendant, all those four are especially important. And for you, you have your moon in Aries, which is a fiery sign. Aries is impulsive. Aries can Mm -hmm. be reactive, but Aries wants to be pioneering as well and wants to be first in something. And there's just that tremendous energy, but it's in your seventh house, which is more associated with Libra, which is other people. And so it's kind of funny. It's that tension. Like I was talking about before Mm -hmm. where there's a part of you that wants to do what you want to do, but you're always so aware of other people. So true. (laughs) And, and that may, you may feel that as a limitation sometimes on, on doing what you really want to do. Yeah. That's funny. When you said that, I thought of it as a limitation. (laughs) So that's interesting. The tension. Yeah. 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 I I know I was going through a chart and I was like, Oh, I, I, it seems like that it's a theme. It comes up more than once. And, and I can definitely see the creativity because you have this beautiful relationship between Venus and Neptune. And again, Neptune is imagination and creativity, and they're in a very harmonious relationship. And so, yes, I would imagine. And I was wondering actually, because Neptune is in your fourth house. So is there any, I mean, is your family creative or is that just you or is that, is that something Um, that you grew up around? No, but I do have a son and I feel like he is kind of really taking off creativity wise and yeah. Does that make sense? Like it with the chart or does it seem like there would be someone creative? Well, I was curious because in your fourth house, so the fourth house at the bottom of the chart, that the 10th that we were talking about with Gemini, that's at the very top of your chart. And then the fourth house is at the bottom. So they're always opposite each other. That's your home, family, your that foundation of your chart. It's a more private, just like the 12th house is private. The fourth house is also a private house, right? You don't share that with everybody. And the sign though there is Sagittarius, the sign that rules that house. And so Sagittarius is a fire sign. It has to do with with higher knowledge and travel and expansion and possibility. But then you have Neptune there. Neptune is sometimes where things can be creative, but also can be kind of blurry or confusing at times. Mm -hmm. And so I was just wondering, since it can represent creativity or imagination and it's in the fourth house, I didn't know if maybe there was a parent who who was creative, but it could be different though. I mean, there's so many different meanings Mm -hmm. that Neptune in the fourth house can also mean sometimes what's in some charts that maybe people might feel invisible sometimes growing up, that's a possibility, or maybe there was, sometimes it can speak to addiction in families. I mean, there, there are many different things because Neptune is, it's our desire for transcendence, right? But when people can't do it in a healthy way, they do it through escapism. And that can be addiction or sort of just not wanting to really face reality, right? Mm, and yeah. so, yeah, I don't, I don't know if any of that, what your childhood was like, but I'm curious how I'm wondering, like I was a middle child, you know, they, we always joke about, oh, middle child syndrome, you know, like right, right, right. Was ignored or whatever. So, but in a funny way, um, it's, right, right. it's really funny because I probably required the most attention, honestly. <laughs> yes. 
I was the middle child, so I made everyone pay attention. Yeah. Well, I, I'm wondering, I mean, in your family, did you did did you travel? I'm just curious how the Sagittarius energy or well, you know, were your parents teachers? Because uh, yeah, my mom also... was a bit. She was okay. in education for a little bit. I feel like maybe my dad was creative in a way that I don't think of creativity generally. But yeah, he did a lot of construction and building that can definitely be create. I mean, that's creating oh, yeah. things. So yes, yes, yeah. in a tangible way. My son's a Sagittarius. So I'm, Oh, that's so funny. Oh, yeah, that's so I mean, interesting. Yeah, because then one of the interesting things about astrology is you can take two charts. So you your chart and your son's chart and put them together and see what the dynamics are between your charts. And yeah. so it's so interesting that he's a Sagittarius. So his son, depending on the degree, it either falls in your third house or in your fourth house of family in your chart. That's that's really interesting. <laughs> that's yeah, funny. that's cool. Let me see. Is there? But I'm curious. I guess going back to your ascendant because we didn't talk about that very much. The Virgo. I mean, is mm-hmm. are you good with details? And are you? Is there a part of you that's very practical and grounded? Oh, and, for sure. I would say. Yeah. yeah, I would say that part is pretty strong. The practical, grounded, and detailed part. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the can. So the one thing we look at also is the compatibility of the elements. And so, like I said, you have your Virgo rising, which is earth. Earth is very, it's about the material world and, but not just, it can also be people who have a lot of earth are a lot of times very connected to the earth, to nature, to let's say plants, they might love plants or, or maybe like natural remedy right? Or yeah. alternative medicine too. A lot of times earth signs are interested in that. And then you have earth is compatible with water and you have your water sun. So the cancer, so those two go along really well. They are very stable. The water and earth together create stability, right? But then, like I said, you have your sun in Aries, which is a fire sign. And that's, that's <laughs> a very different dynamic. <laughs> so I'm wondering what wins out? Because there is a part of you that can be very stable, but then there's part of you that really wants to just do your own thing. And I'm sure that's probably connected to the creativity. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like I'm in a phase of my life where I'm figuring out how to do what I want in a way that, yeah, that is cool with everything and everyone around me. Like I'm maybe kind of figuring out how to make what I want happen and still be sensitive to everyone in a way. I don't know. Yeah. And so you're, did you say you were a songwriter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of songs, what, what kind of music do you? Do you- uh, a singer songwriter. So it's a lot of introspective or thoughtful lyric, like self-driven or reflection driven kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Mercury, like I said, is the ruler of your chart. So in your chart, that represents you, that Mercury. And it, like I said, it's in Cancer in the 10th house. I mean, that's a great place for your <laughs> chart ruler to be for what you're doing. And do you, besides the songwriting, do you do other kinds of writing or anything else where you are like getting a message across? Of course, now you're doing this podcast, which is another right. form of communication. The podcast. Um, I've always wanted to write a book. I don't even know if I would write a book. I don't know what about, but that's been something too, that I'm like, I feel like it would be so cool to write a book. Or whenever I was little, I'm like, I want to write for magazines. You know, like I've always yeah. wanted to do that. So maybe that's part of 
that part of my chart maybe? Yeah, the so the third house is it's normally associated with Mercury with Gemini and you have the planet Uranus there and Uranus is can be very brilliant, electrifying, sometimes unpredictable. And so <laughs> I'm wondering if you do end up writing a book, if it's going to be something that's unexpected, some like maybe you'll get some brilliant download and then it'll be something that people aren't expecting Yeah, because you do have that energy in the area of your life that has to do with the way that you think and the way you take in information. And so, yeah, I'm curious. It's yeah, really me cool. too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So what we're doing is just natal astrology where we just look at where the planets are when you're born. But then the next layer is looking at the current transits, what's going on in the sky and how that's impacting the planets in your natal chart. And then that also helps. Again, we have free will, but Mm -hmm. it does help to know what kind of energy that you may be coming across in the next year. You know, if something is going to be pretty smooth or there might be some bumps along the road and and that's okay. I mean, we grow from those challenges. One of the good things about astrology is knowing when that's coming so that you know how to prepare because like I said, all of these signs, planets, houses, they, they all have their high road and then they have a low road. And Mm -hmm. so the best way to deal with challenges is to be on the high road of that you know, and not end up on the low road of that energy Mm -hmm. because then it's more challenging that way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And we're going to have some major shifts next year for some of these outer planets that will be going into a new sign. And, And what's really exciting is it doesn't just impact each of us on an individual level, it impacts us on a collective level. And that's a different type of astrology, mundane astrology, where you look at the way that the astrology of countries or current events or, you know, things that are on a larger scale. Yeah. What's more interesting to you? Do you like to do the mundane or or both? Do you just like to do a mix? I like both. I mean, I love talking to people one-on-one and and I'm always learning too how these energies manifest in their lives because it's not always in the same way. You can have a very similar chart to somebody else and still be experiencing it in a different way. And mm-hmm. but I also really like or I'm very fascinated by mundane astrology because I I always loved history when I was growing up too. Yeah. And so it's very interesting to to see the astrology working on this more collective level. I, I find it really fascinating. Yeah, that sounds really fascinating. And that is a word that I've been hearing a lot lately, like the collective energy, the collective. And, and people have been saying like some big shifts in 2023. So yes. yeah. What are your thoughts on that? What are the big shifts that we can look out for collectively? Yeah, it's in March. Saturn will be, it's been in Aquarius for the past two and a half years, or I guess a little bit less, but it's winding down its time and it's going to enter Pisces, which is a very different energy. I mean, Aquarius, it's interesting. We've been going through all these sort of upheavals and things that have impacted being able to socialize because Aquarius has to do with community. It's an air sign. It has to do with groups of people. And so actually when we had the first COVID lockdowns, that was when Saturn entered Aquarius. So it was this restriction on socializing, it's literally social distancing, right? Wow. <laughs> so, and it's wow. so weird. It's, it's so literal sometimes that way. Yeah. And, and so now Saturn is going to be moving into Pisces, which is a completely different energy. It's not as comfortable. Saturn traditionally did rule both Capricorn and Aquarius when astrologers could only see as far as Saturn. And then once Uranus was discovered, then Uranus was given 
uh, rulership over Aquarius. But Saturn is still strong in Aquarius. And so it was in a Capricorn before that, now in Aquarius, it was very powerful. Now it's moving into a sign where it's not so powerful because Neptune rules over Pisces. And these are two very different energies. Saturn is, again, all about boundaries, limitations, structure, form. And Neptune is no boundaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neptune is just merging. It's like, imagine the ocean, right? That's, um, whereas yeah. Saturn, you can imagine it as the rocks. So water slowly can, of course, dissolve like a rock, but I mean, that takes a long time, but still it's something that eventually causes everything to merge. And so that is associated with spirituality. So it'll be a really good time for people who want to start businesses that have to do with spirituality. Saturn it represents business also because it's structure and all that. And then Pisces is spirituality. So it'll be a t- good energy for that, basically. Okay. <laughs> right. Wow. And so, yeah. so that's one shift. And only one possible interpretation. There are many astrologers who are coming out with their forecasts for all huge changes and they're fascinating to listen to. So that's just one. And then the big one is Pluto going into Aquarius, not permanently because all of these planets, they go forward, they move backwards from our perspective, they go retrograde. So Pluto will be going into Aquarius for a few months, maybe four, and then it'll go back into Capricorn. And then I think in 2024, it'll go into Aquarius permanently and that We've all been talking about the age of Aquarius, right? Right. I mean, Aquarius rules over technology. So, you know, the internet, things like virtual reality, all of that. Pluto comes in, it transforms it. Sometimes it's not pleasant. It brings out the darkness, things from, if you imagine Pluto rules over the underworld, right? And so all these things come out to the surface for the purpose of becoming aware of it and then transforming it, hopefully, and then healing from it. Right. So anyway, they'll be in Aquarius for for 20 years. And so I imagine or a lot of people are talking about how there will be huge changes in technology, which we're already going through. Right. We're already experiencing that. We're already experiencing that. And, you know, like I don't know if if you're ever on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. And lately what people have been talking about is AI that is creating art. Yes. Digital art. Mm -hmm. And so that's so there are exciting things about that, but also dark things about that, because you know, Definitely. all of a sudden, and one of them, for example, is being able to create those deep fake videos where people can create a video with your face and it can be anything. It could be something wow. terrible. And that's sort of like the dark side of technology. So right. we're going into Aquarius, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are some major, major shifts that are going to be happening. And yeah, so March of next year, some, that's going to be a big time. And actually before that, we're going to have Jupiter going into Aries. It's been in Pisces. And now I think at the end of December, it's going to go into Aries. And that's, again, the first sign of the Zodiac. So we're starting to 12-year cycle. And wherever Jupiter is, one way to work with it in in your chart is when you look at where Aries is in your chart, you know, then wherever Jupiter is going to be going through that part of your chart. And the energy that we should all be using is to be bold and to believe in ourselves and to, to do the things that might scare us, but that are you know, things that are going to help us grow because Jupiter is about growth and it's about optimism. And certainly you can overdo it, but it's really, to me, a very exciting thing to look forward to. Yeah. So that's a kind of collective energy for everyone to be bold and believe in yourself and to do things like that. I love that. Yeah. And then and then the way that you make it more specific is to look at where exactly in your chart that is, which house it's in, which area of your life. And of course, if Jupiter is then in 
making a contact with some of your planets in your own natal chart, then it's going to mean even more to you, right? Whereas mm-hmm. if it's not, then it's great, but it's sort of in the background, background energy mm-hmm. for you. That's why not all of these influences impact us the same way, right? right. It really depends on your own chart, how it's impacting you personally. Mm-hmm. Well, that is so good to hear. I like that energy. Marla, you are a wealth of information uh, and you clearly enjoy talking about astrology. I love the analogies and the way that you compare it so that it seems easier to digest. Um, If people want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Yes. Well, I'm on Instagram at Marla J. Sang. I'll spell that. (laughs) So M-A-R-L-A-J and then I'll spell my last name T-S-E-N-G. And so that's my handle on Instagram. And then my email address is Marla Sang, again, my first, second, and last name, and then dot astrology at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking for a reading or anything like that, you can reach out to Marla, follow her on Instagram, because she's got some exciting things coming up in the future in regards to her readings and her business. So just be on the lookout and give her a follow. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye? No, I'm just, this has been so much fun, Ashley, and you've asked great questions, really, well, things so that, that, yeah, it was been, it's been so much fun. I really enjoyed this. Thank yeah, you so much. Learned, it was really interesting to hear your take on my chart, because it's just funny that you're like, it's interesting, because I also am <laughs> like, yeah, the contradiction is real, but it's kind of funny, and I, I enjoyed also, I guess maybe the validation of that from you looking at the chart and knowing way more than I do. So that was really cool. And I appreciate it very much. Yes, it was great. I love, love looking at people's charts. It's so much fun. And, and thank you for being open. It's really helpful because I learned as well when mm-hmm. you know, obviously I can tell you what I see from a, from an astrological perspective, but you're the one who's living through it. And so, you know, exactly how you're experiencing it. So yeah. thank you for sharing. Yes, my pleasure. Well, thank you so much once again, and we'll be following along. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I wanted to tell you one more thing. Oh, yeah. Because uh, because of the, the name of your, is this still going to be Made of Dreams? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was funny because the 12th house uh, rules over dreams and you have your Venus in there. And then also the sun in the 11th house, the 11th house, I didn't mention this. So it's groups, friends, but also like hopes and wishes, which is kind of like dreams. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that's so interesting that you, you're calling your podcast made of dreams and you have these, I feel like I can see that somewhat in your, in your oh, chart. I love that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, what's funny is I wrote a song called made of dreams and it just kind of like it. I I put it out like 10 years ago, but lately I've just been playing it and people are like, I love that song. And so I re-recorded it. And then I was like, oh, that's a perfect just like overall theme for the podcast. And then, you know, I went back and forth on all these different names and I'm like, I'm just doing made of dreams. I'm just, that's just what it feels like it needs to be. So that's cool that you said that. I love it. Yes. Yes, definitely. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's always fun learning about yourself. I used to love reading magazines, and I think that was one of my favorite parts was the personality tests and the quizzes. Anybody else? Well, I wanted to mention that Marla is open for astrology readings, and you can email her at marla 
at manyworldsmanypossibilities.com, and she has generously offered to give a free 30-minute mini-astrology reading to the first three people who contact her. You will need to know your time of birth. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and leave a review. I'm going to highlight one of my favorite reviews so far right now. This was submitted anonymously, but it says, Creatively Inspiring. The episodes I've heard so far are a joy to listen to and have really inspired me to keep creating. Ashley is a great host with such good energy. Thank you so much, whoever you are. I think the best compliment you can get is when someone says you have good energy, so I appreciate it. And I appreciate everyone who's listening, and I have created a little creative state checklist over at madeofdreamspodcast.com that's yours for the taking if you're inspired to get creating. I'm going to leave you with a song of mine. This is Made of Dreams, the song. And until next time, let's dream on. change that you could round up dear I sure could use it here out on the road and all the strange people filling up my days they've got so much to say and more to sell but I'm not made of money not made of money I'm made of dreams And you may find this funny But it's not funny At least not to me Cause I dove in so deep I've come.